Hello and welcome to the Navy Blue Corner. I'm Ian and at the time of recording this episode, Lockie is currently on a plane on his way to Europe. I'm so jealous. Um, so it's just me this week. But look, while he is away on holiday, he'll definitely try and make sure he's on this podcast. He will feature at some stage. It's all about whether he's free whether the timing works out, hopefully when he's not on a plane. But yes, while he's on holiday, if he's free, he'll definitely be on the pod. But when he's not, and if he isn't available to jump on, I'll definitely be having some guests on the pod. And look, I've got a few in mind, but if you listen to this, if you're watching and you've got anyone in the Carlton community that you want to see feature on the pod, let us know. Get on the socials at Navy Blue Corner, or if you're watching this on YouTube, drop it in the comments. Let me know the people that you'd like to see on this show, but that's enough of an intro. Let's get stuck in because the Blues got the job done. We've beaten Hawthorne by 60 points, and the first note that I had written down really about this game was just, how good is a relaxing day at the footy? You know, it, it was just... We never really were threatened by the Hawks throughout the contest. And it was honestly one of the most comfortable wins that you'll see. Not something I'm used to as of late. Definitely not during this season. And it wasn't too bad a day at the MCG. So it was nice to sort of sit back and relax. But I guess if I'm honest with you, going into the game, I was anything but relaxed. I was pretty nervous. And there was a few reasons around that. And my thinking before this game was really... I guess, what Carlton will we going to see out there? And are we able to win the games that we should be winning? Because I haven't seen this Carlton all year. And what Carlton are we going to see? Is it going to be the one that we saw win against Gold Coast? Or is it the lackluster, slow, methodical, but boring Carlton that struggle under pressure that we've seen so often this season? So I was in two minds of, wow, we really should be beating Hawthorne. But can I buy into what we saw against the Gold Coast Suns and think that this is what we can expect going forward? And on top of that, you've then got the big talking point of the day, which was no Ruckman. Heading into the game, there's no pit net, there's no deconing, deconing the laid out. And I was really worried again, just thinking, look, the way we won against Gold Coast and what was such a strength in that game was the midfield and the clearances. We got back to the Carlton that we saw last season when we played our best football. And I wasn't necessarily worried about Hawthorne's rucks or, or their midfield, knowing it is so young and inexperienced. But knowing that that was such a big way that we played football and, and we saw the best Carlton against the Gold Coast be that dominant midfield team. And could we do that without the hitouts? Or at least, could we at least win in this area? Or how are we going to win if clearances were taken away without the rucks? And in the end, I mean, I mean, wow, did the midfield step up? Honestly, I think my highlight of the game was the midfield and their work rate. It was, and they were comprehensively beaten in the hitouts. So it was sixty-one to twenty-seven. Got absolutely smashed, but we won the clearances overall by five, and only lost the center clearances by one, which is incredibly impressive knowing that you're not winning the hitouts and for the midfield to still have so much dominance in this game. And for me, it was their work rate to, to cover the ground offensively and defensively that really allowed everything to happen for us throughout the game. That They're running numbers to provide the handball option. Even, even the options, I guess, on the edge of 50 created so many of our so many of our scores, moving the ball, just having so many options forward of the ball, running in numbers. It was incredible to see. And then defensively, I, I really thought that the pressure that the mids applied for so many of, of Hawthorne's turnovers. So I think 
the midfield for me was a massive tick in this. They, they used so many lovely of these handball chains that, again, it was something that was such a big thing for us last season. Quick, slick handballs, taking the game on, moving it through the midfield. And it's what we did this week. Again, we did it against Gold Coast, showed it again this week. And I wonder if there was an element in this game where the midfield almost knew they had to work harder due to the the, the lack of rucks and knowing we weren't going to get that hit out. We weren't going to get first use of it. So is this somewhere where the midfield realized that, okay, well, we're going to have to apply more pressure. The clearances are going to have to be better. We're going to have to cover the ground more just to be better, just to have a chance in this contest or, is this the new standard? And that's the kind of questions that I'm asking myself out of this. And it's hard to know because Hawthorne didn't really apply a lot of pressure themselves. And we really do need to see it against the better sides. To, but, I mean, that effort that you saw on the weekend, that work rate, that pressure from the midfield, that's what's required. It's good to see it's still there and we're capable but yes, I definitely need to see it as we we move on. And, and talking about the midfield, we've got to talk about the rucks. It's the big talking point going into this game. So let's dive in. I think when I'm looking at the rucks, it's disappointing because it's it's such a clear list issue. We don't really have anyone else on the list apart from Pitanet and TDK that are really capable to jump straight in. And, and you saw in this game, Lewis Young has to come in and he's the ruck. And if I'm honest, he didn't really do enough for me. I wasn't expecting a lot from him. And, and it's tough to, to have to go out there and play the ruck position. It's not what he's known for. He's had some experience in it, but he's a key defender. And he hasn't been training to be a ruck all season. To get thrown into that, it's tough. But I, I just thought that some of his work ethic and, and I guess lack of desire to compete in a few things. It was a really bad marking contest that he lost. And I just thought those areas were poor for him. He didn't offer a lot around the ground. So Lewis Young was pretty disappointing in that capacity. And, and compared to Silvani, on the other hand, who was incredibly impressive, it was such a big contrast because I've been pretty critical of Jack Silvani. And I can't say much wrong because he did not do a lot wrong today. And his field kicking was so impressive. It was great today. And he even finished off his work in front of goal. Another thing that I don't feel confident in when he lines up for those set shots, but he, he nailed it with one of the better set shots you'll see all year. And, you know, everyone always talks about Jack in the fact that oh, he, he brings effort and he tries really hard every single day. And I've been critical saying that he needs to bring more than that. And so heading into this game, knowing that, look, if Jack wants to, be in the best 22. He gets put in different positions. He's playing this backup sort of second ruck role, which we don't all love, but I need to see more than effort today from him. And I was really wanting to see that work around the ground. And I was really impressed. I thought that's where he excelled today. It wasn't his ruck work. It was fine. We're not expecting it to be that, but it was what he was offering past the hit out. It was around the contest, what he was able to do. And he just showed such a willingness to never stop competing. And I just thought his pressure and relentlessness at the contest created so many turnovers and really helped that midfield group gain ascendancy, just another number on the ground. And he's marking up the ground, some really strong leads, some really strong hands to, to take that mark under pressure, helped us roll forward. And again, I just thought his field kicking was really impressive. It, it's something that... 
I don't I don't normally think he's a really good kick of the football. I think that that's something that lets him down. When when I've spoken about Jack and his role in our team going forward, I've said, is he too tall to be in that forward line with Harry, with Charlie, and potentially De Koning being that second ruck option, knowing that Jack's best hasn't necessarily been in the ruck? Can he fit there? He lacks a bit of pace. He, he lacks the, the foot skills. But, you know, today... You showed everything, and, and that's the Jack that we want to see. That's what we hope to see. So I was, I was incredibly pleased with what I saw of Jack Silvani. And look, to again be a little bit critical, look, it's hard for me to get completely carried away, and I don't want to get carried away with JSOS as this second ruck because as we've seen a lot this year and in past years, the second ruck still probably isn't his best position, and there's been so many issues when he has played in that role and there's issues with the, him for team balance, like I just mentioned, but as much as I've just kind of been a bit negative on JSOS, you, you, you can't say anything else really, but praise today. He did his job. He played the role and he exceeded any expectations. And maybe that's a bit of confidence boost that he needs. Not too sure how Pitonet's going to hold up, how De Koning's going to be. If either of those play next week, probably definitely doesn't look like Pitts there, but, is De Koning fit? What's the balance going to be like? But if Jack, for me, take the ruck apart, take that aside, if he can offer everything else he did, take those marks, push up high around the ground, repeated efforts, tackle pressure, and use the ball as well as he did and make and take the right options, there's a potential spot in the team for him here, definitely. But it's about team balance, how it's going to go. But look, I can't say much else about JSOS. Incredibly pleased. More of that, please. Uh, and then another key point I have to touch on is the defense for me because defensively, we held up incredibly well. We, we intercepted everything all day. And I thought the way that we actually structured behind the ball really forced them just to make so many poor decisions. And that's talking about Hawthorne. They, they rushed so many different things and it led to those intercept marks. And I think the big cornerstone of that defense was of course Jacob Weedering. He, he really looks back to his best his last month or so has been really really strong again very critical of his performances so far this season we haven't been seeing the Weedering of old but this is it and, and he, he's dominating in the air and it was that commanding presence in the defense and uh, another thing that I was just so happy with seeing in this game was it's his kicking. I feel like his kicking has improved in recent weeks. He's, he's looking to take the game on. The, the criticism I had of him and, and Lewis Young was they seemingly marked the ball and, and took too long to move it. The moment he's getting it and going, and this is what we need to see from Jacob. He's a, a, a leader in that defense, and, and if he's moving the ball slow, if he's not taking the correct options, it's hard to blame the rest if they don't do it. So I'm very happy that I'm seeing this more from Jacob Wiedering. And look, it was it was the first time since I think they, the commentator said 2004 that we've kept a side goalless in a half of footy. And I remember thinking at halftime, like, it's insane that I'm actually going to be really annoyed when we finally let Hawthorne kick a goal because, I don't know, I'm, a, I'm insane. I'm ruthless. I want us to not let the opposition kick any. And, you know, it was the defense that definitely played a big role in that. They, they forced... Hawthorne to make so many errors and, and same with the midfield. But look, to some degree, Hawthorne did make us look really good because a lot of the turnovers, a lot of the intercepts we got in defense were just from poor decision-making, poor skill execution. Sometimes they, they didn't need to take that kick or they just kicked it to the wrong area. 
But in saying that, I do think that our tackle pressure and the structure behind the ball did play a big part in their turnovers. A better side, however, I don't think would let us off as easy as Hawthorne did. But you can only deal with what's in front of you. And I thought we excelled here. And I could rattle off so many. I thought Kemp looked really strong. Again, Newman still adds a lot. And, and Chincotta's burst away, particularly early, I thought was really, really strong. Again, we were using Sard a lot more with the handball and... So many players, it just looks like the defense is solid again. It's such a, a big part of us. It's probably that one area of the ground where the personnel has pretty much been the same for most of the year. And I feel like this is starting to really become the right mix. I, I like what McGovern's doing down there. Weedering's intercepting and, and, and defending really well. Kemp's really stepped up. And then you've got a good diverse range of smalls to, to complement that at least for the time being, really interested to see what Cowan can do in, in coming years, knowing he's a little bit taller so he can kind of intercept but also has the, the pace and the skills to rebound. But that's for the future. Let's worry about what we're talking about now. And, yeah, the defense was, was really, really strong. And even though Hawthorne had opportunities in the first half, the fact that we kept them without a goal is incredibly impressive. It's not something that happens all the time and just gave us that platform defensively to – give the mid some confidence to, to really take the game on and then allowed so much that happened in our forward line, which segues perfectly to what I wanted to talk about, which is our inside fifties. We, again, we moved the ball so much better just throughout the game, much like we did in that gold coast game. Like I just touched on halfbacks. I, I thought really took the game on and ran in waves with the midfield. It's the quick handballs, beautiful handball change throughout the game that, allowed us to move through the Hawthorne defense with pace and where has this been? And you can talk about it maybe only being against certain opposition and, you know, those those question marks are clearly still there and they're going to be there until we show it against someone else. But we're showing signs of it and that's that's all you need to see right now. Uh, The big worry was that this hadn't been something that we'd seen. Now it's here. Can we continue it? Who knows? But again, you can only talk about what just happened. And that was it. And I really loved talking about the ball movement was the entries inside 50. We're lowering our eyes. We're creating, and we're creating, it creates so much better shots at goal. And I think there's just been a lot more movement generated in the forward line. You're looking at some of the smalls in there, and I'll touch on them as we move on in the Martin Cunningham Fogarty, that I think definitely helps this but uh, there's just so many more options and and whether it's someone moving out of the space to create space for the big key forwards to to lead up at the ball or whether it just allows the defense to to question and maybe they go oh i've got to be on martin here because he's dangerous rather than having to focus on a charlie or a harry that's allowing us so many better options in front of goal and yeah, I just think that, that a lot more movement and options really create, sorry, forward of the ball really created a, a lot of our scoring opportunities. And again, impressed with the players on the edge of the 50 that are streaming in as those little short options. Um, midfielders did it again. Chera gets on the score sheet. And, and I thought a few others really did that well. But, but talking about those few smalls that have been recent inclusions, Martin Cunningham and Fogarty, like their movement is really what helps. And Cunningham, I thought his impact in particular in that first half was massive. They're just, he's so clean picking up the ball. There was that one of our first goals where he just picks it up cleanly, moves, 
I think he kicks it on his left around the corner. Charlie shot on goal, bang. And yeah, he, it's his quick handballs as well that just gives so much time and space out of the congestion for his teammates to burst through that he did so well. And it's an element of this team that we haven't haven't had a lot. And, and you know, to his credit, Cunningham put his work as well onto the scoreboard. He fell off maybe a little bit in that second half, but can you blame him? He hasn't played a lot of footy in the last two, three years. So I'm sure he'll build on that. But he had 16 disposals, two goals, went at 88% disposal efficiency as well, which is good to see. I know a lot of those are little cheeky handballs, but criticized of him last week, his disposal. So you got to say something good about it this week. Four tackles, seven score involvements, and two direct score assists. Big game from Cunners. Uh, it's definitely something we have missed in this team. Martin was exceptional, kicks three goals. Again, just offers something we don't really have in this squad. He's a mid-size marking option inside forward 50. And like I've, I've touched on it so much in the last couple of minutes here, just the movement of these guys, the little leads, the little options that they created, it, it's so big for us right now. And it's been such a refreshing change seeing these guys in this game. And, you know, he didn't get a lot of the ball, but, you know, six marks, three goals, eight score involvements. He isn't going to be the guy that gets you 20, 30 possessions. He doesn't need to be. He's impact player. He's impact per possession. And that's what we saw again here. And, yeah, <laughs> what, what do we do with it? Can they stay on the park? Who knows? And and I guess moving to the last guy I want to touch on as well here, Lockie Fogarty just, again, impressed me a lot. He, he's not flashy. Doesn't have to be, plays his role and like, applies the pressure, positions himself so well throughout everywhere, being able to push up, help the midfields around the contest and then, you know, spread forward and be an option. And 18 disposals, seven, ta seven tackles, two inside 50 tackles, which is big, four inside 50s, 11 score involvements and the score assist. Got a goal in this game as well. One of those many little lower the eye options and, I think having these guys in there and having the midfield feel a bit more confident and move more flowingly maybe throughout the ground. How many times did we see, and we saw it last game, we saw it again this week, where we get a mark inside 50. And because guys are moving, because guys are working hard around the ground, outworking the opposition, we can chip it around and, and get better looks. We're not having to kick it from 70 meters out on the boundary. All of a sudden, we're 30 directly in front of goals and it takes the pressure off having to execute and kick the set shots because it's an easy option. You kick it. There you go. Whereas if you're missing that shot from 60 meters out, then you miss the next one that's 60 meters out. And all of a sudden the pressure builds because you're not getting good looks in front of goal. And I, and I really think that these guys getting added into this team and the way we've moved the ball, the way defense is moving it, the way the midfield are working all of this is helping us move forward and, and allow these better shots at goal. And if I'm going to be negative, which I'm going to try and be maybe a bit more objective on this and try to look at it both ways, I think the issue with Cunningham and Martin in particular is, look, we know what they can offer positively. You know, We know what their best is. The issue is they aren't durable. And look, Martin's only played four games this year, Cunners two. So can we trust them? Like... We can't, if, if, and, but it's clear when they're healthy, like how important they are to us because they offer something that no one else in this list can really do. So I don't know. We've either kind of got to hope they fix their injury issues and stay fit for the rest this year and beyond, or 
to be blunt, we have to replace their skill set. And I think for me, regardless of whether we keep them or they move on, we need more depth in in these roles because it's insane the difference. And again, I know the opposition is different, but we've played some poor teams this year and we haven't looked this good in that forward 50. It's insane what these guys are able to do in there. We don't have another Jack Martin. We don't have another David Cunningham. I know these kind of players don't grow on trees, but we need to have other options, even if they're a little bit further down the depth chart, who can play these roles because just look at what we miss when it's not out there. So again, today it was beautiful. It was great to watch, but it is an issue just knowing the durability of these players and how, I guess, important it feels. And I may be continuing my negativity here, which is a little bit unlike me. I'm trying to be balanced in my approach today. I think negatively, if I'm looking at it, thought we did overuse the handball a little bit early on. Love that we're trying it. There's these forward handballs again that we're seeing. We're moving in waves. We're creating slick options. Guys are hitting the ball at pace. They're not flat-footed. It's great. Thought we overused it a little bit early. Good thing is it felt like we did adjust throughout the game. We were a lot more clinical with our ball use. And yeah, we can still tidy up. We can still be better as we progress throughout the end of this season. But at least if they're overusing, I'd rather they overuse the handball than they overuse the kick. But it's about getting that balance right. If I'm looking in an area for improvement, clearly we need to keep going with the handballs. Just about tidying it up. Sometimes we handball to the guy who's under pressure when we probably should just kick. But maybe this is them just being a bit more conscious of we need to be quick with the handballs to rip through sides. So maybe I can't be too critical in that one. Um, but I think for me, really, like my main other point I wanted to kind of take out of this game was, and a lot of people are getting maybe a little bit carried away. I'm, I'm not sure. But for me, the big task is, can we do this over the next two weeks in particular, if I'm looking at a small sample side size against good sides? Because to be blunt, if I'm looking at who we've beaten this year, what? Hawthorne, Gold Coast, West Coast, North Melbourne, GWS, and I guess the outliers, Geelong, but they weren't in good form when we beat them. And I guess you drew to Richmond when they were out of form. So looking at it, we haven't really beaten anyone of substance. And so I'm not getting carried away with the win over Hawthorne. I'll take it. I'm happy. We haven't seen a lot of wins this season and definitely in recent weeks. So I'm going to enjoy it. Trust me, I'm going to enjoy it. But like, I need to see us do this against good sides. And I think the next two weeks are perfect with um, Frio away and then Port Adelaide in Melbourne just to see if we can show it against a better team. And, you know, I know a lot after the two wins and two good showings are getting to that ladder predictor. They're getting it out. And I'm usually really positive and optimistic. And to be honest, I still am. Like, I think we can get some really good things out of this season. It's not over by any stretch of the imagination. But we're yet to really beat anyone of substance. And so, all really, again, put in a big performance against a good team when the pressure is there. I think this is the big thing for me. Hawthorne didn't apply a lot of pressure on us. They're a young side. I think as soon as they started missing opportunities in front of goal, we started finishing all ours. They dropped away. And that was another concern heading into this game. I was a little bit worried if we let them into the contest early that young side get their tails up. They're going to be confident. 
and you'd never know what could happen. Um, I was very proud and, and pleased that stamped that out early, put it on the scoreboard and shut them out. So I didn't want to see what could happen if the game was close. But two weeks in a row, we've shown our best footy, not under a lot of pressure. We haven't had that performance backs against the wall and got it done. Still the question mark over this side. And we need to answer a lot of those questions before I guess I'm convinced and before I'm getting the ladder predictor out and looking at finals because we kind of touched on it in our one of our big mid-season review episodes saying we can really only afford to maybe lose two or if other results go our way, three games from the rest of the season, which is a massive, massive task. And look, games like this, it's what we need. It's what we need to push us in the right direction. And it's a great platform. What we showed is what we need to do. It's the blueprint. But can we do it under pressure? And can we do it against other sides? Until we do that, until we answer those questions, I just can't be super convinced. So I'm going to enjoy the win. I'm going to be happy with it. As I said, one of the most relaxed games I've been to, just being able to sit back and enjoy it and hope someone else gets on the score sheet. And we did a lot of things right. And I hate being a little bit more negative, a little bit maybe more glass half empty than I normally am. But I just need to see us do it against a good side before. I can get too excited about the rest of the season, but I want to hear from you guys. So here is the listener questions. I open them out onto Twitter, onto Instagram. If you want to get your questions in at any stage, head over to the socials at Navy Blue Corner. It's mainly Twitter when I remember it's Instagram as well. So definitely jump on both of those. And if you're watching this on YouTube right now, the comment section is begging for you underneath this video. Give me your thoughts on anything I've touched on. If you have any other questions, anything else you want to discuss about Carlton, about this game, drop them in the comments below. I'll be in there throughout the week to make sure that I reply to you guys and keep the discussion going. It's the fun part about YouTube. If you're on any of your podcast, um, whatever your preferred podcast listening service is, Get on the socials at Navy Blue Corn and give me your thoughts to it. But let's dive into the listener questions because it's a solo pod. I need your help in this. It makes me feel like I'm not just talking by myself the whole time. So I'll start with a good one from Mark DT. He says, has the change come because of the opposition we have faced or the team we have named? And it's hard to answer this one. And I kind of alluded to it a little bit there saying that I need to be convinced when we do it against a good team. So I don't know. It's hard to know exactly if this is a new Carlton, but if I'm going the more optimistic side, when we've played North Melbourne, we've played GWS, these lower teams, we didn't play good football. We weren't showing this. So maybe there is a level of change. Something has adjusted. And I think you can definitely see that what we're trying to do is different. Just comes back down to the pressure and, so, I don't know. There definitely is, is a little bit of the opposition allowing it, but there was there was elements of it in that Essendon game. There were elements even lesser in that Sydney game. So maybe we are building, and I think you, you nailed it a little bit there, Mark, when you're talking about the team that we have named. Because I think the influence of Fogarty, of Cunningham, of Martin in that forward line has helped that mid-forward connection a lot. Having these guys that can pinch hit in the midfield, having guys that can roll up and, and really help apply the pressure and then move swiftly forward it's definitely helped it's definitely helped i think the mix is a lot better in the team and then even i like doherty on the wing i like him bursting through we weren't as dominant in that midfield with explosive clearances 
hard to do it without a Ruckman sort of hitting it down the throat of our midfielders. But I think it's a bit of both. I think it's a bit of both. I'm hoping, I'm hoping the team has a bit more to do with it. But I think we're going to find out over the next month or so exactly what this Carlton is. We did really need these last two weeks, though. We needed them desperately. I got one here from Davo71 who says, we seem to be playing a better game style over the last two weeks. Have long-term injured players finally playing, um, but we have played two average sides. We wilt under pressure and overexposure and overexposure and expectation. Is it all in vain? And yeah, I don't know. I'm hoping that this isn't like a, you know, maybe finals is out of question. Maybe the pressure's off. So they're being able to do it against lower opposition, but we've kind of, me and Lockie have talked about it. We've been saying that I guess there's an element of maybe even more pressure because, well, we haven't been winning games of football and, all of a sudden, it's, well, Vossi's getting sacked. The players are all going to get moved on at the end of the year. So the ability for them to shift things in the season and get some confidence, it's hard to do when when you're losing a lot of games of football and the pressure feels so big. So I don't know. Maybe there's a really good part of this where they have been able to, to turn things around by themselves, albeit lower opposition, but you can only beat who's in front of you. And I'm glad that this wasn't a, a close contest. They didn't score a goal up until halftime. Win by 60 points. Nice and easy. Big win the week before. Beat the teams you should beat and do it easy. That's all you can ask for. So I'm hoping it's not all in vain. I uh, got one here from Dom in the Dan. And we've got a few actually here about David Cunningham. So well, it's a bit of a theme here. Dom asks, how important is it for us to have him fit and firing and back in the team? And I think it's big. I don't want to go to big on the David Cunningham praise because there's still a lot that he needs to show and he needs to still improve on. And it's only two games. I don't want to get carried away, but it's his movement. It's his silkiness. He's so clean picking up the ball. His ball use is good. And like I said earlier with like him and Martin, it's just something we don't have in this team. There is no one that plays like David Cunningham. And if he can stay fit, I'm really excited to see if he can have more of an influence in the midfield moving forward. That's the growth area for him on top of what he's doing, but it's two weeks. It's really good. And I don't know, maybe he's becoming really important, but I don't want to bank on David Cunningham just yet. It worries me to bank on him. Uh, we've got one from our man, super bad, who says, does the club give Cunners a deal this week? Uh, I love it. I love the positivity. Maybe hold off a little bit if it's me, because it's just like David Cunningham to pull up into this week and he's out for the season. So I, I'm touching wood. I'm hoping that does not happen. I need to see Cunningham play out the rest of the season because he, he is such a big difference for us when he does play. Again, I want to see him against a really good opposition. Let's see what he can well, let's see what he can do. I don't think there's many players out of contract right now that have cemented their contract. I don't think anyone's really like, yep, you're 100% nailed on. There's definitely a few, Brody Camp, Nick Newman, that I can definitely think of, but it's a lot of football to go. He's only played two games this year, and that's not enough for me. If he can't stay healthy, I think that that is him gone, but positive signs for sure. And we've got the last one on David Cunningham from A underscore Melvin that says, is Cunningham best 22 for the rest of the season if he stays fit? Great caveat there on the stays fit. Yes, I think so. We knew what Cunningham was, and he's kind of shown it 
little bit less in the Gold Coast game, a bit more this week, particularly with a beautiful set shot in front of goal. But yes, what he brings, no one else does. He's best 22 for sure. We need high half forwards and he's playing that role really, really well. Uh, moving on to one from Tim Gigantor, who says, as long-term options, are we better having JSOS as backup ruck and pinch hitting forward or Lewis Young backup ruck and pinch hitting in defense? Interesting, interesting. I don't want to read too much into one game. Maybe that's a fence hit. Maybe Lockie would not be allowing this if he was here, but he's not here, so I'll do what I want. Um, but no, I don't know. I, I'm not sure still about Silvani as the second ruck because we've seen it not work so much. And before this week, how many people were delisting Sauce and saying, get rid of him at the end of the season? He's not a second ruck. He's not a forward. All of a sudden, one good game of football, and it's, yes, he's the option. He's the one to do it. So I don't think you can read into just one performance. You need to see more from him. But if you can do what he did around the ground and forward of the ball, he raises a good argument to do it. Lewis Young one's interesting. I just don't think he offers enough in the ruck or around the ground. And currently, his defensive work is poor, and I don't think he's the right mix in there. Last year, we saw him play some great football, so I'm not ruling him out. I'm not saying he's done by any stretch of the imagination, but I'm just not in love with the prospect. But what I do love from this, Tim, is we clearly need something with this second ruck because if, if, if Pitonet or a player like him is going to be the number one ruck because I don't think De Koning can ruck by himself. I don't think, obviously, Lewis Young or Sauce could. What's the second ruck? Where is that coming from? Is it an option of Harry having to take it? Is, is it Charlie? Is it someone else in defense? We've got to look at other elements, particularly at the end of this season, knowing Silvani, TDK, out of contract, could both potentially move on. Do we keep one? Do we keep both? I'm not sure, but we need to find out something. We need to figure out how we're going to work with the second ruck. It's been an issue. Even the first ruck is still an issue with Pitonet's injury. There's a lot to happen. So if you guys have any thoughts, if you guys, what do you guys want to do in the ruck? Do you think it's JSOS? Do you think it's Lewis Young? Do you have another option? Drop it in the comments on YouTube. Let us know at our socials, at Navy Blue Corner. I'm very keen to talk about the ruck debate. And we've got another great one speaking about this ruck, making me not sit on the fence here. So I love this from uh, Zainab here who says, who would you pick, TDK or Silvani? to stay next year. Okay, so I've got to pick one. I would, now maybe this is a fence hit, but I'll, I'll explain it. I'd say I'd rather keep De Koning because I think his ceiling's higher. I like the idea of what he could be. But trade value-wise, I feel like, unfortunately, De Koning unlocks so much for us and what we could bring in and probably what we need to bring at the end of the season rather than the value you'd get from a trading Silvani. That if I'm keeping one, I think trade list management-wise, it's probably going to be Silvani. Uh, but, you know, let me know again your thoughts. If you're listening to this, if you're watching, who would you keep if you had to keep one of those? And then a massive, massive last question here from Breezy who asks, who is our best and most versatile player? Most versatile. God, I feel like you're asking me to maybe pick a Silvani, pick someone like that. And look, what Sauce does offer is the ability to kind of play anywhere when you need him. And I love that. And that's why he's someone that you kind of want to keep on the list 
in that aspect of, oh, we need to plug a hole. Here's Jack Silvani to do it. As far as other players, like, I don't know, maybe Doherty to an extent, being able to play in defense and then being able to shift into the midfield, play wing. I don't know. It's a really good question. Most versatile. I'm hoping it's maybe a Cunningham and that's what he can do. Play that forward, play that midfield role. But I think we need versatility. We need, we need more guys that can play different roles, that can offer things that aren't just the blanket position. It's a great question, though, Breezy. I'm keen to hear your guys' answers. But pretty much to wrap this episode up, we've got to do the votes. It's always a fun part of this. I'll have to find out Lockie's votes, get back to you, and then we'll do a tally next week to see who is leading or maybe who's coming second and third because I'm pretty sure I know who is leading the votes at the moment. But with one, I have given it to Harry Mackay. I just thought – I haven't touched on him. I haven't really touched on the forwards. thought he was instrumental with his marking, with his his pressure. He was chasing players up on the wing, working high up the ground. It was incredible to see. I haven't seen that from Harry. I love the intent. It was a real team effort this week from everyone. Harry was great. Finished most of his work. There was that horrific snap that didn't even make the distance that, oh, I don't know what he's doing, but then he goes back and snaps on from like 40 on the boundary. So what do you do with Harry? Do you just, is this, is this what we have to do? Do we just ride the Harry Mackay roller coaster? I don't know. I feel like that's what we have to do at this stage, but I thought he was great. He gets the one. There were definitely a lot that could have got this. Sorry, Walsh. He thought you were great in the midfield, but you've just missed out. Sorry, Jack. You maybe deserved one. Even a Martin probably deserved votes, but I gave my two to Adam Chera. Exceptional. His work rate, his cleanliness by hands, his kicking, his burst away. Kicks goals. He does everything. He's by far and away our best player at the moment. While I give him credit, I need to, while I think of it, I need to give credit to Paddy Cripps as well. Thought his kicking today in this Hawthorne game was exceptional. He, he didn't seem to blaze away, just seemed a lot more composed and, and went the simple option. I was very impressed with the simple option from Paddy Cripps. Not in my votes, but... I did like that from him. My my best on ground, three votes goes to Jacob Wiedering. Just thought, did everything right. Did everything right. And his intercepts down back, being able to read the play, stop so much of what Hawthorne was doing. How many times did Hawthorne break away? And we were outnumbered. We were in a tricky position. And then just the whole back line moved so perfectly. Hard work into the defense, get into the right spots. Make Hawthorne have to question their decision. And they had to, you sort of force them to have to make the right decision and execute a really difficult kick. And had they had to be 100% perfect. And Weedering was a big part of that. Marshall, the defense, good to see him barking orders a few times and, and making the standards known. And yeah, he was just, he was just perfect. That's like all Australian form Weedering. He just needs to keep continuing this. And it's been a big turnaround so far. I'm very excited that he looks to have some confidence back. Keen to see what he can do for the rest of the year. But look, that's going to wrap up this solo pod. Another win. It's always easy to talk about a win. Not sure I would have done the solo one if we lost that against Hawthorne. Not sure if there'd even be a pod. Like, what would we do if we had lost that? Luckily, we don't have to worry about it. But yeah, as I said at the top of this episode, Lockie's away in Europe. He's having a good holiday. I'm jealous. I'm annoyed. I wish I was there. And if he's available, which we, he's, I know he's going to be over there. He's going to be enjoying himself. He's going to be watching the baggers and if we start to win a few more games, he's going to be dying to uh, to chat to me. So, of course, he's my number one priority. If things line up and we're able to get him on the pod, he will definitely be there. But if not, I'm going to be getting some guests. I don't want to have to do this by myself. 
I don't want to listen to my own voice. You might not be enjoying just listening to me. Who knows? So, yeah, if you've got any ideas for guests, people you want to see on the podcast, drop them in the comments below on YouTube. Head over to the socials at Navy Blue Corner and let me know. I've got a bit of a list. I'm going to reach out to these people if Lockie isn't available and see if we can get them on. I'm keen to chat to a few more voices out there, get some different different opinions on the podcast. I think that'll be fun to spice things up. But, yeah, it was an impressive win. It was nice. It was relaxing. More of that, please. But it's all about what we do from now because it's nice to do this. It's good to do this. It's something we needed to do. Get a bit of confidence up. Get the form up. Now do it against good opposition. Not getting ahead of myself. Myself. Uh, we've got we've to beat Frio away. We've got to do it. No excuses. We've done it previously. We've had some massive wins against Fremantle. <sighs> Just, yeah, get the job done. Show that this is the Carlton now. This is the new Carlton. This is what we do. Do it against a good side, and then I'm going to start believing because whether we make finals or not from here, obviously not a great season, but it's all about building for next season right now in my eyes, what we can do in this block to the end of the season to get ourselves ready for the push because I don't think we can win the flag this year and I don't think that that's an outlandish thing at all to say that we're not winning the flag this year. So we need to be doing everything we can to push for it next year. And these are the small steps, but prove it against some really good opposition. But let me know your thoughts on this one. Let me know your thoughts on the Hawthorne game. What did you like? What didn't you like? How can we improve? And what can we do? to keep this form up. Drop it all in the comments. Head over to the socials at Navy Blue Corner. Let me know your thoughts on the solo pod and the guests. All of that. We'll be back for a match build-up for the Frio game later this week. Make sure to like, subscribe, follow, stay up to date so you do not miss out on the content when it drops. God, I'm never going to get sick of talking about a win. Up the baggers. See you guys next time.